Welcome into episode six of the Gas Cast, courtesy of CitizenSounder.com. Our guest today, he'll join us in a few minutes, is Don Ruiz of the News Tribune, part of the, the really comparatively speaking, massive army of media that cover the Sounders compared to most franchises in MLS. We're going to talk to Don about violence in the MLS. We may talk a little bit about uh, about the Seattle rain because he's actually getting ready to go watch them train. We'll talk about the Sounders season to date. I've got a statistic that will blow your little mind. Uh, and then also uh, we're going to learn how to spell Chihuahua and talk about the Tacoma Rainiers. Uh, stick around Don Ruiz in just a couple of minutes. Uh, Sounders come off of, uh, you know, I almost said Sounders come off of a win because that's exactly how it felt. And it's funny when I first started paying closer attention to soccer way back in the day now, and you know, people would say to me, well, there's good ties and there's bad ties. And that's a pretty easy thing to figure out early on what a good tie is and what a bad tie is. And that, that tie felt like a win, uh, on, uh, on Sunday in Houston. Uh, and we'll see. We'll talk to Don about whether or not they can springboard off of that because the Sounders have not, this has not been a good start and they've played a little better of late, but they are not playing well overall. Maybe this is the kind of, you know, sometimes it takes a lucky break and let's just call that what it was a lucky break. Boom, you get a tie instead of a loss, and suddenly you're feeling a lot better about yourself. We'll see if they can parlay that into a big night uh, against Philadelphia. Uh, this weekend. Uh, all right. Uh, a note that we've have kind of teased a little bit and we wanted to bring this up. This is, this is kind of the whole point behind this podcast. And it's exciting for me, uh, to see if we can make this happen. You know, I came to Seattle in 1991 and the idea of an all sports talk radio station was still kind of laughed at within the sports media world and within the radio world. Uh, they had one in New York, they had one in Boston, they had one in Philadelphia and they had one in Dallas, Seattle, was the fifth place to, to try a true you know, 24-7 sports talk format. And I was thrilled, along with some other great, talented people, uh, Nancy Dinellon, a.k.a. the fabulous sports babe, uh, Graz, uh, uh, you, you know, we, we, Keith Shipman was a part of that. We launched it, and I, and I was a part of that. Rick Dupree was with me. You know, we, it, it, there's a tremendous amount of pride as I look back in, 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 in launching it, and boy, we made our share of mistakes. Uh, but it worked, and 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 it became a, a a thing, not just in Seattle, but it happened nationwide too. No surprise, people love talking sports everywhere. But I was a part of the Seattle one, and I'm real proud of that. Uh, I'm gonna try something else new together with my friends at Citizen Sounder. We're gonna try something that has not been tried. We've looked and looked, and we can't find any uh, evidence of this being tried anywhere else. So we're going to try something in two weeks. On uh, Saturday afternoon, April 30th, after the Sounders presumably beat the crap out of Columbus, uh, we are going to host, uh, I think it's the first ever live Sounders post-game show. We are going to host it, and, and if you know me, you know exactly where I want to go with this. We're going to host it at FX McCrory's, the legendary Seattle watering hole that has been home to so many firsts in Seattle sports history. Uh, when that match ends, we're going to crank up on the, the Citizen Sounder Worldwide Network and spend probably about an hour, maybe longer, uh, talking about what we saw, talking about the match. We're going to have a slew of special guests who are going to come by, and hopefully part of the slew of special guests is you because we're going to set up a microphone so fans can interact with us. Uh, we're certainly going to use social media for that. I'm of the belief that the biggest hole in the whole Sounders experience is a lack of talk after the match when people are raw and they're emotive uh, and, and they're 
well, maybe drunk. You, you, there, there's part of when you walk out of a sports event, you're like, I want to share this experience. I want to talk to other people. It's why, you know, post-game shows over the years, everybody does them. The Sounders have not done one to, uh, yet, and we thought, well, we're going to step in, and on behalf of the fans, we're going to do one. Uh, and so it's going to be uh, April 30th after Columbus, uh, probably around 3, 305, 310, when the, when the match is over, we'll crank up and we'll do at least an hour uh, of talk. We want you to come by. I want FX McCrory's to be so crowded, they gotta, they got to put up an SRO sign. We want you to participate uh, in two ways. We want you to participate by, by giving us questions and, uh, and by listening and laughing at the right times and all that good stuff. Uh, but we also, and this is another first, and this is what I'm kind of excited about because no one has tried this. We are going on that day, April 30th, we are launching a Kickstarter campaign to try and put some money behind this process. You know, these things, you know, it, it, it costs money to do this. And uh, we need to put ourselves in a position to make this a little more solvent. So to do that, we're going to do a Kickstarter campaign. We're going to wrap it around two games. We're going to wrap it around the Columbus game, April 30th. And then we're going to originate another post-game show on Saturday night, May 21st, after the Colorado game, also at FX McCrory's. And in the three weeks in between, we're going to run a Kickstarter campaign and see what the level of interest is among fans for helping us by paying for this content. Now, you could look at this cynically and go, should I have to pay for this? Yeah, I don't know. I can't answer that question. But the fact of the matter is nobody's doing anything like this right now. And for us to do it, we have to find a way to fund it. And this is a way we're going to try uh, is via a Kickstarter campaign. I'm, I'm as excited as I was when I got here in 1991. And I'm as nervous, too, because I've, I'll be honest with you. When I got here in 1991, if you had told me the all-sports format was going to work and we were going to become a powerhouse, I, I don't think I would have agreed with you. I, I was skeptical. Uh, but then I saw that happen, so I've, I've, I've learned the power of this whole medium, and I've learned how things can, can come together when everybody's on the same page. So uh, keep it in mind, we're going to be reminding you a lot via social media, but April 30th, FX McCrory's after the Columbus game, Saturday afternoon, we're going to make some broadcast history in this town uh, by hosting uh, online uh, and, and via the massive powerhouse that is citizensounder.com. Uh, the first ever live post-game show. Hopefully we've got a lot of great stuff to talk about. I, I, I'm, I'm rooting for a great match and some controversy, all the stuff that feeds into a post-game show. Uh, and on that same day, we'll launch a, a Kickstarter campaign and we'll try and gauge the interest level among soccer fans to help get something like this off the ground and, and keep it going. I'd love nothing more than to be able to look back on this many, many years from now and have the same kind of feeling of pride that I have with what we did at KJR and in, in, in giving fans a voice and, and, and giving people a place to go and talk about the things that are important to them. Well, this is the same thing, only it's hyper-focused on the sport of soccer, and we'll, we'll see how it all goes. So circle April 30th on your calendars, and please come to FX McCrory's and join us. And if you're so inclined... Uh, be looking for our Kickstarter campaign as well. All right, episode six of the GasCast on CitizenSounder.com continues now, and uh, we welcome in uh, another one of the guys. We talked about this a few weeks ago. Uh, you know, people complain that there's not enough soccer coverage, and in a lot of cities that's true. In Seattle, it's just simply not. And one of the guys who covers the team in a beat writer capacity and does a great job is with us today, Don Ruiz from the Tacoma News Tribune. Uh, and uh, and welcome. It's it's about time we had you on. Thanks for for making the journey up here. Well, thanks for having me. Happy to be uh, have another way to talk to Sounders fans. Uh, and before we do that, though, before we do any Sounders talk, <laughs> I, I do have we have for for uh, for a thousand dollars. The Jeff has a thousand dollar gift card. 
I want you to spell Chihuahua. Oh, you know, I think I learned that last night. It's C H I. That's good. That's a good start. U A H U A. Chihuahua. Chihuahua. That's right. Don is fresh off of a of a night of covering Rainier's baseball, and I do love. That's one of the best nicknames in minor league baseball. What would the El Paso used to be? Something else. Um, they used they? to be a Texas League team. And it was the it was the old Tucson Sidewinders yeah. that moved to El Paso, yeah. and at least initially in this incarnation, they they were the Chihuahuas. Yeah, and it's a great nickname, the El Paso Chihuahua. Who won the big game last night? We're that talking would... on Tuesday morning. <laughs> Who won the big uh, Rainier battle? That would be the Tacoma Rainiers, and They're... a pretty interesting game. Don Roach, who apparently had a terrific spring with the Mariners, and was like the twenty fifth, twenty sixth guy. You know, didn't quite go go north, but he didn't. Pop I met him for the first time. We bonded over the first name, although he's a two-end Don and I'm a one-end Don, but uh, he seemed like a good guy. He's a guy to root for. It'd be great to see him in Seattle. It's uh, Bill Kruger once told me the key to, and Bill bounced up and down a little bit, said Mm. the key to succeeding in minor leagues is when you get there, Mm. you're there. Mm. You're not looking at the phone every time it rings thinking this is my call. It's like, nope, you're there, and that was the Mm -hmm. easiest way to get back up. And I can hear, if you listen carefully, you can hear the people listening to the podcast right now going, what the hell do the Rainiers have to do with the Sounders? They have nothing to do with it. And, oh, you'd be wrong. You'd be wrong if you think that. I want to start, uh, Don, with this. I I think it's a real interesting story Mm -hmm. from a business side and Mm -hmm. from a kind of a community and culture side, too. Um, the Sounders too. So they uh, will they be two years old this October? I remember when they announced them. I think it's two yes. or th- mm-hmm. so two years old. And one of the first things they did, I want to walk you or have you walk us through this a little bit. Mm-hmm. One of the first things they did was they created a situation where you could be in the Founders Club and you paid some money, and they said we're going to take this money and we're going to refurbish and put some money into into mm-hmm. Starfire, which. I think is a jewel of a stadium, but I think it does need some money. But mm-hmm. I love seeing soccer mm-hmm. there. I think it's a perfect size for for this kind of venture. And then I, you know, I'm not sure what happened. Somehow that plan got sideways, and the Sounders, God love them, you know, continuing mm-hmm. to kind of wave the flag of being a pretty unique franchise. Instead of going, well, we're just going to go ahead and keep this money over here mm-hmm. for a while until we figure out what to do with it. They gave people their money back, which mm-hmm. is pretty amazing. Now all of a sudden. There's talk of maybe something going on with the Rainiers and the Sounders building mm-hmm. a soccer stadium in Tacoma. Let's walk through this a little bit. Let's start with with Starfire and what what happened there. How did that? This is only in Seattle. Can somebody come <laughs> forward and say we're going to put a quarter million dollars into a stadium and somehow it gets sideways? It is. Uh, it's it's a weird thing that I don't have. Uh, you know, our, our business partner would probably be better off than than me uh, because apparently it's not all that easy to get things done. Uh, this will shock you. I mean, it's a stadium deal in Seattle that doesn't fall together easily. That's that. Come on, <laughs> come on, really. <laughs> but apparently, the degree of difficulty is even higher with Starfire, which is sort of a public, private, and nonprofit concern. And apparently, there are considerations to all of those. Sure, I guess various yeah. things. So that made it has made it more difficult for the for the uh, for the Sounders to even give you know, to kind of make the place their own right and um, and to some degree also holding them up is a, is a decision of how much they do want to make the, the the place their own are they committed to that very long term as their training facility mm-hmm. maybe but not fully right and now you know are are they committed to that long term? as their home for S2 and for U.S. Open Cup. 
and a weaker maybe and even less less fully i think yeah. i think they they have been a little well, i think they'll even tell you they're a little disappointed at uh at s2's inability to sort of catch on as a as a fan experience right you know, it might be developing players but i think they thought they would be welcomed more given the crowds of the of the big team i thought i think they expected more than they're getting for s2 since people love my thoughts on these things, I'll say I would have named it something other than S2. I hated that name from the start. I'd give them their own identity and their mm-hmm. own name, and people will know. Mm-hmm. So, like with the Rainiers, they mm-hmm. don't call them Mariners too, but people know, oh, the Rainiers, they're a part mm-hmm. of the Mariner organization. So, mm-hmm. And maybe they'll do that eventually. But so, okay, so again, shock of shocks. Here's a quarter million dollars. Nope, we got too many problems. We don't need your money. So, so and, and as you say, we can't really point the finger at any one thing. There's mm-hmm. a lot of entities moving around here. Now, all of a sudden, you, you know, the, the story comes out that the Rainiers and the Sounders might be talking. Mm-hmm. Bring us up to date on that, because my first thought is, oh, they'll play a Cheney. That sounds great. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't sound like that's what they want to do. Yeah. And it actually makes sense that they don't want to do that, in my opinion. Exactly. Um, yeah, and in fact, not fully all of a sudden. You know, they're, they the uh, when they had the reserve team, I guess the year before uh, S2, uh, when there was just this MLS reserve league, uh, they actually played one game in Cheney Stadium. They played Orlando City back when when they before they joined MLS, and they played it in Cheney, and it was kind of for fun and also kind of as a, a test case to could this be the home for a Sounders developmental team, whether reserves or what became USL. Right. And all agreed that it really didn't. The sight lines were bad. The stadium really had to run sort of from the right field wall to like the home first base line. Mm-hmm. Uh, it would, um, you know, so it kind of fits in there, but it doesn't fit in really well as a spectator sport. And also um, during baseball season, you've got the dirt, right. uh, which needs to be accommodated some kind of way. So it just didn't, didn't work. Uh, but, uh, you know, Adrian and everybody was, you know, it, it got the Sounders and the Rainiers together. And um, Adrian uh, was thinking really even from the start, you know, about S2. They, they liked, you know, they, they wanted to figure out what, not only what it could be, but, but where it should be. And a lot of practical issues spoke for Starfire because that's where the big team trains. And a lot of times they, they're very interchangeable uh, for training sessions and that kind of thing. But, so from the technical side, as Adrian likes to say, Starfire makes sense. Right. But from the business side, there was some intrigue in going a little farther afield. There was some thought of, of Boise just to expand the brand into the Northwest a little bit more, but that was way too far mm-hmm. uh, in terms of the, the technical side. You want an injured player to be able to, you know, just like the, the Mariners yeah. do, to be able to get there that afternoon. Right. Um, but they did uh, give a good hard look at you know pretty much everything from well a little bit to Spokane and then everything from Everett to Tacoma and uh, couldn't really find their right venue so sort of by process of elimination uh, they they went with the easy uh, Starfire mm-hmm. and it's worked fine but the uh, the. Rainiers also became intrigued. They've worked a little bit with the Tacoma, the indoor Tacoma Stars, who play up in Showwear Center in Kent, and that got them a little more interested in the soccer community. 
Uh, Tacoma, the Metro Parks, has kind of inventoried its own, is in the process of inventorying its own properties, and they realize that they don't really have a place for soccer tournaments and that kind of thing. That's what intrigued me mm -hmm. is the idea that they need fields anyway down there. Exactly. Sort of this tourism soccer thing where both for the kids to play but also to bring people in. Uh, for for tournaments, uh, you know, which of course the Tacoma Dome, you know, has locked up very nicely with right. you know prep with certain prep tournaments, but there's not much in the way of soccer venues and even the the, the U23s, uh, which the Sounders U23s, which technically isn't really connected to the Sounders, but they play in the Premier Deve Developmental League, and they were once the Tacoma Tide. Well, they couldn't find a place in Tacoma to play, so they actually play mostly in, in Sumner hmm. uh, these days. So in any case, Tacoma needs a, a place to watch uh, soccer, and they are inventorying, and these pieces all come together, and they're going to probably decide within the next six months whether it would pencil to build such a thing, and if it does... Uh, maybe 2018, more likely 2019, uh, they could move into Tacoma. And they're talking about building a Starfire-style complex in terms mm -hmm. of size. Mm -hmm. And I, I saw where they said, you know, we don't need 5,000 seats. We mm -hmm. may need room for mm -hmm. 5,000 people. So right. you put a hill or a berm or mm -hmm. a beer garden, whatever you exactly. want to do it. Mm -hmm. I, 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 lo I love the synergy here. Mm -hmm. The Rainiers are a well-run organization, mm -hmm. I've always thought. I mean, they, mm -hmm. they every year they've got it together. Mm -hmm. It's neat to see them spread their wings a mm -hmm. little bit, and I think it's, it's cool that the Sounders – and I agree with the idea that if they do this, it's funny what a 20-mile geographic mm -hmm. move can do because it will give them a chance to develop mm -hmm. their own thing, mm -hmm. them being S2 – People on the peninsula would love it. I mean, well, there are 3.5 sure. million people in this region, mm -hmm. and how many of them? A million live south of SeaTac? Mm -hmm. There's plenty of people down there. You oh, know, yeah, and exactly. If you put a team down there, I think mm -hmm. you'll see that. Yeah, and certainly, I mean, I'm sort of exhibit A. I mean, really, we, we sort of nod at S2 as, you know, not as its own entity, but sort of as this thing mm -hmm. that can occasionally produce an MLS sounder. Obviously, put Tacoma as their first name, and we're covering every every game, just as we've covered every game of the Rainiers for more than 50 years. Right. And there's going to be guys with the Rainiers who just never are going to really get mm -hmm. much more of a sniff of the major mm -hmm. leagues. Guys with S2, same mm -hmm. thing. But they this becomes their their mm -hmm. home. I think this is a neat story. What do you what 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 do you you know? Again, we know building anything in this <laughs> in this area. What what would you say? Give it a percentage. Your chance that hey, by 2018 or 2019, this is going to come to fruition. Is it 80 percent? Is it 50 percent? You know, I have to sort of reflect the vibe, you know, that I've picked <laughs> up because I, I don't know. I, I didn't, you know, I really didn't know that this was happening until, until suddenly uh, it broke this week. Right. Um, but everybody seems to have pretty good energy. So I would fall in maybe that 70% more likely than not, but things can go wrong kind of uh, wishy-washy range. But right, I think it right. could happen. That I, seems like a pretty solid, that's as good an arena <laughs> answer as you're ever going to get in this city. That's, well, it'll be interesting to see and uh, and and whether or not S two or whatever they end up rebranding it, if they can get a little bit of a of a toehold. Mm -hmm. I remember the day they announced it. I thought, man, this is ambitious as hell. Mm -hmm. I mean, this is you just barely have got your MLS team out of diapers, and here you're, you know, it, it, it's ambitious. Mm -hmm. It is, but yeah, it would be a great way to to bring North and South Sound together. The the relationship between the uh, the Rainiers and the and the Mariners has you know benefited both I think both you know from a development standpoint and from a from a fan standpoint and you know Tacoma embraces that that team and I, I, that would be great to be able to expand because right now you know uh, you know I don't you know 
S2 may be getting a lot of things done, but I don't think they're sort of Tequila's own, you know. I right. don't think that there's that our team kind of aspect to them that there would be in, in Tacoma. Don Ruiz is our guest on the Citizen Sounder Gas Cast. Let's talk about the Sounder season to date. So you know me. I'm, I'm an optimistic guy. I always have been. And, uh, and, and I look at the Sounders. And they're they're one three and one, and that that's not where they thought they'd be. But it's hardly a disaster. It's nice and early, and all that good stuff. And they're one zero oh, and one in their last two, and yet <laughs> it feels rickety. I'm like, why does this feel so rickety to me? And I went and I looked. It's one of my favorite things to do when the Sounders are struggling, and it's an interesting point to make. Most teams have a stretch like this. Mm. Mm-hmm. At some point during the season, yep. the Sounders have just never had. They've had one every year. Mm-hmm. They've never had it at the start. Right. They have played going back to the two uh, Club America. Games which you know didn't count in MLS but counted. I mean, mm-hmm. the Sounders were sure. trying in those. Mm-hmm. They didn't. That wasn't a, a friendly. They've played 630 minutes plus extra time of soccer. They have held the lead for approximately 40. Mm. So they've been tied or behind for almost 600 minutes. So I thought ah, that's why it feels rickety. <laughs> yes. they're, they're not playing well. No, they're they're not playing well. And. Um, you know, certainly part of it, a lot of it, is Obafemi Martin's being being gone, uh, and I think he he may not have been. I mean, first off, he was tremendous unto himself. I mm-hmm. mean, both right. both he may you know uh, one of the very best players in MLS and one of the most exciting players in MLS. So I mean, that's the that's the other thing with the Sounders. It's not just that they're not getting results. They're not they're not an a good-looking team right now. They're just not a, a, a an exciting team, really, right, right now. It, it feels like they're constantly holding on defensively and hoping offensively, and, right. and that's that's not a configuration that gets better over 34 games. I mean, they have to start being a better team. Uh, but Oba was, was also Oba plus in the sense that, you know, I don't know if he made everybody around him better, but he certainly made Clint Dempsey better. Mm. And, and, and that was a fascinating co- combination. So that's kind of gone and, and they're, they're making it up as they go right now, it feels like. And, um, you know, and when you wonder where do all those Oba goals come from, well, right now they're coming from an unsustainable place. Half of the Sounders' goals this season have come from Chad Marshall or uh, Osvaldo Alonso, and that's yeah. not, uh, you know, that's not a genuine replacement. So, uh, so yeah, they're they're kind of dreary, and they are, I would say, a pretty typical-looking MLS team right now, with the potential, I think, to be as as good as. I'm not going to say as good as they have been, but uh, certainly the potential to get into the playoffs again and then anything can happen. It, it shows you, and we know this in every sport, that you know, there's always when a superstar leaves, there's always the, oh, yeah, now now the young guys can step <laughs> in. And and I think the longer you watch sports, the more you realize, boy, as soon as as soon as as soon Oba's leaving, it's like, mm-hmm. all right, this is going to be hard. Mm-hmm. This guy, I keep saying this, I would argue he's been the best player in the mm-hmm. league the last two years. Mm-hmm. If he isn't, he's one of them. Mm-hmm. You don't just plug mm-hmm. and play with that you right. know it'd be great if jordan could step in and boom look yeah. it's obafemi morris and right. nah, that, you know, that that ain't gonna happen mm-hmm. yes and, and so it takes a while i guess is the point it generally does i think the mariners might have been as close as you can get from you know from seamless when when griffey went and mike cameron stepped in so comfortably but still nobody's pretending mike cameron was was right. was griffey and i think that maybe the most realistic of fans might have hoped for that 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 jordan marsh will not be uh you know obafemi martins but that he can step in and suddenly you're you know you're solid there and everybody else steps it up just just a, a little bit but uh so far you know not quite yet 
uh, certainly just in terms of grabbing your attention. You know, you've got Oleks Anderson, who, who is a flashier player at this moment, so suddenly you've got a little bit of a... Of, of an interest that maybe it's it's time to give him a little more uh, opportunity. Also, you've got Hercules Gomez, who made you know really an instant impact uh, right there. So you feel that there are some some moving parts, and then of course there's the whole formation issue. You know, you kind of built it because you thought you had these four forwards. Now you really don't. How much right. you don't want to change at every you know turned ankle or lost forward, but. You know, what are you really committed to? What does this team want to look like in in August? Mm-hmm. And uh, obviously, uh, I think Ziggy Schmidt's probably thinking of that even as we speak. And and it's interesting because, as I say, the Sounders have been really good every year. They've been in the playoffs every year. And about half of the years they've played, they've been a championship mm-hmm. contender. And they always have a stretch like this. This mm-hmm. is the only one that's happened at the start. Mm-hmm. And I think to myself, okay, now, while it does feel rickety, you know, somebody's got to pay, and that's somebody's the union. So here comes Philadelphia. Now maybe the momentum of of what you know the the, the good tie versus bad tie fly. That was a great tie last Saturday or Sunday in in Houston. You ride the momentum of Marshall's miracle there, and 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 maybe you come out, and maybe you do score early, lead the whole way, and then all of a sudden the the, the script gets flipped pretty quick if they could have a, a big match on Saturday. I think that's probably that I, I I think it's fascinating. Well, let's see if we find you know it'd be nice to get the opportunity to see if that's right, correct or right, not. Yeah, um, because obviously the union. I mean, the other issue, the other concern right now is that they've been kind of home heavy so far, and that you know right. hasn't been a, a fortress for them yet. So so yes, they need to to get things rolling. And while Philadelphia is off to a good start, you do not at just this moment think of the union as. Oh my goodness! You know the right, schedule right. just is throwing these juggernauts at us uh, un- unendingly. Although they really have had a pretty tough schedule yeah. you know, so far, uh, but you know, so yes, they need they need a result. But um, you know, they they when you're playing so many close games, everything's kind of one goal games. You know, you don't take much mental gymnastics to turn them to unbeaten. You know. Or, or you know, it's just too pointless still, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. And so you kind of got to, you know, take away those individual seconds from each game when a game is scored and just see how they're looking. And they look like a team that needs to get better. You know? mm-hmm. Yeah. Don Ruiz again with us. Uh, let's talk about violence in the MLS. <laughs> uh, Nigel DeYoung, Darlington Nagby, I don't know if it was Saturday or Sunday night this last week, but a, a brutal tackle by DeYoung. Is it DeYoung? DeYoung, did I get that right? My, my Netherlands De pronunciation is rickety. I can spell Chihuahua as I cannot pronounce DeYoung. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> this guy has got a track record of this kind of crap, mm-hmm. and it follows him everywhere. And and Nagby's a you know just became an American citizen and and is a bright young star and forget who he plays for for a second this league needs every bright mm-hmm. young star it can get mm-hmm. all the time mm-hmm. to to continue to build on the momentum now that's not a reason for a guy not to play hard and injuries happen mm-hmm. uh, let let's talk about this in a, in a in mm-hmm. a year where. They've said we're going to crack down mm-hmm. on this stuff. I think the most shocking thing of this is not that it happened, but that it didn't warrant a red. Uh, yes, I agree. I agree completely. Because they seem to be throwing those out like candy. Yes, it, it comes in the week where sort of it reached critical mass, where a lot of the media was beginning to write about how they're showing too many reds, and that's it. you know, do yeah. the players adjust or do the do the referees have to adjust a little bit? And uh, I'm a big believer that that. that 
it's the players who have to adjust. I'll, I'll, I have no problem. Show the red. You know, you Mm -hmm. don't want a red. Don't, don't go in studs up and and hurt players. And and uh, and so yeah. So I mean, this. I don't think the the non showing of a red in this. uh, You know, I'm. I mean, my implication would just be that it was a a referee who didn't get the right angle or somehow missed it or made a bad decision in a split second. Frankly. It took me a couple of replays to to get outraged. You know, I, yeah. I thought it was just a, a bad clunky tackle that you could show red or yellow. Right. Uh, but then you do bring in the guy's history, and suddenly it gets a little closer to red. And then you look at it a couple of times on review, and it's a it's a no brainer red. And I assume the MLS disciplinary committee will you know will reach will reach the, the same decision. Yeah. Uh, so yes, I mean it, it's the the beautiful game, and I like the beautiful part of it. And that kind of tackle needs to go away. Should the, should the history matter? I mean, now we're asking a lot of a referee, but I mean, when a ref sees it, should he think to himself, boy, this guy, what is with you? Or or should, is it like the court of law where, Mr. Ruiz, you cannot bring that in? We, you know, how, how should they look at that? You know, I think it's okay probably, well, I mean, he's a human, so I think he, mm-hmm. he you know, regardless of what he should do, there's, you know, probably your, your reputation goes with you, and I'm not completely sure that it's unfair uh, that it does. But even if he should view everyone in the moment and and not the history i think it's certainly reasonable for for the mls disciplinary committee to look at at the history and this is a repeat offender he's a danger to the to the league he is frankly an embarrassment to the game and i wish that there was just more peer pressure hey you can't get away with that right uh kind of stuff and and it's 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 related cousin i wish there was also more peer pressure that you know, hey, when you dive and fake an right. injury, you right. are making it more likely that the referee is going to, un, you know, consider that mm-hmm. and and maybe go less harsh on the punishment. So, uh, you know, like so much of life, if everyone would just play nice, it would be better. Yeah, we, we need to borrow a page from the National Hockey League and bring goons, <laughs> one of the great sports words of all time, an <laughs> NHL goon, and bring him into MLS and say, you know, we're going after you, pal. We are putting in our goon and he's coming to get you. Uh, it... it it, it, and it's funny because people that don't know the sport are like, oh, it's just, you know, there's no toughness. And like, now you see these guys, and, and there are times when they get hit, and it does, it frustrates the hell out of me. But there are times when they get hit, and it's like, wow, that guy just got hit. I mean, mm-hmm. it is going to take him a minute to collect himself and sure. get back mm-hmm. up. And then there's times when guys get injured. But I, I think the, the solution we'd reach, and it's a key, is the players. This is. Mm-hmm. You know, I used to talk about this with steroid use in baseball. Hey, the players have got to clean this up. You know, mm-hmm. rules. The players have got to say we care about this enough mm-hmm. to clean up. The same thing here. It's a different thing because it's injuries versus drug use. But the players have got to give a darn about this, and, and that's mm-hmm. going to help everybody a lot. Yes, exactly. I mean, it certainly is beginning. You you see the stirrings of helping in, uh, in the NFL. Mm-hmm. And it would be nice if uh, baseball would begin deciding – no, you know, balls in the ribs is not, right. you know, I mean, that's just not what we're doing. These, we're union brothers. I'm just surprised it hasn't gone away a little bit more. It yeah. just, it, sports in a lot of ways are getting uh, more civilized. Yeah. But uh, these kinds of tackles, especially in a sport where you are basically pad free. Right. Uh, you know, and, and of course, Seattle's the poster child. I mean, what happened to Steve Zakawani? I'll never get over that. Right, and that, 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 that basically ended his career. Sure, it did. And it was uh, foolish and to some degree a split-second horrendous decision, and we've mm-hmm. all got some of those in, in our lives, and usually we get away with them. And But, uh, you know, and he, he rightly feels horrendous, I think. But, uh, you know, Steve Zakawani's in the broadcast booth. Yeah. 
You're getting in my way. That's what he. <laughs> that's what that. Uh, all right. Before we let you go, um, mm-hmm. I want to talk a little bit. You know, the Sounders cast such a huge shadow up here, but the Seattle Rain are a pretty neat story. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I know you're going to go watch them train, and they're getting ready to start up their season. And you know, they've done a decent job of kind of carving out a. I don't want to say carve out a niche. They've got a good fan base. They've got a fairly sticky fan base. Mm-hmm. Their, their their attendance doesn't fluctuate mm-hmm. a lot. What's the what's the state of this team on the field? They're great off mm-hmm. the field. It seems like they're okay. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Uh, Memorial Stadium is a wonderful location. It's it's certainly a, an older place. It would have yeah. been nice if if sprucing that up had been part of the the wonderful Seattle Center reservations that they've made over the years because it's a it's an uncomfortable place uh, mm-hmm. in a lot of ways. Um, uh, but uh, as for the product on the field. Uh, you know, they, unlike the Sounders, took that one expansion year where they actually looked like an expansion team. But but since then, they've been the best team in the league. They return, I believe, 15 players from, from last year, mm-hmm. which was that. That was a, a two-time uh, best record in the regular season team. And so uh, they would certainly project, I think, as uh, as favorites to be something close to that good again this year. Uh, I, uh, I've been over to a couple of training sessions. One of the things that I did ask them, a question, frankly, that I asked uh, Ziggy Schmidt last year is, you know, is it hard to stay engaged in the regular season when you're going to be judged by how you do in, in the playoffs? Mm-hmm. And um, actually their attitudes is a, is a little bit different. Ziggy this year is very much ready, it sounds like, to give up a few regular season points and seeding, if it comes to that, to be healthy and fresh at the end and make right. their run, you know, treating that you know, much more the San Antonio Spurs model. Right. But the um, the rain, Laura Harvey, uh, they very much believe that seeding helps, and and most of all, they're more uh, Pete Carroll uh, Seahawks like in that. Let's win this week. Here's the game in front of us. Right. Let's don't think about anything else. Let's do this one. So I think uh, they are going to try to win their first cup by winning their third shield. It's an interesting way of looking at it, and they're also at a point where they're probably by 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 doing that. You know, the sound. I'm not saying the Sounders can take their fans for granted, but Sounders fans now on their base, they know the drill, and they're like, all right, if we got to lose a match in June, who cares? You know. As a, whereas with the rain, you're probably trying to get people bang for their buck every mm-hmm. night. It, it, it's neat. I mean, the the, the soccer. Uh, community in this town. It really is amazing mm-hmm. how big it is and how deep it is to the point that here we've talked about the Sounders, we've talked about S2, <laughs> we talked about the U23s, we're talking about the Rain, all teams that have carved out their niche and, mm-hmm. and, and there's room for more even. There's mm-hmm. teams we haven't talked about. So it's funny how, it, and it continues to grow, don't you mm-hmm. think? I don't see things stopping. No, there's no indication that it hasn't. Now, the one interesting thing would be to see how uh, fans that have never been asked to support a loser might support a loser. Right. But for right now, uh, no, there seems uh, ticket-wise with neither team uh, any indication that this is uh, a novelty that has peaked. Don, always fun to talk uh, to talk soccer with you and to spell Chihuahua. And the only reason I don't know how to spell Chihuahua is my brother had a Chihuahua and he used to call it Chihuahua. And I'm like, That's okay, it's, sound it out. It's nice and easy. Uh, I appreciate you coming up, and, uh, sure. and and we'll do it again. Thanks very much. That'd be great. No problem at all. Thanks Where is it on Twitter? At Don Ruiz? At Don Ruiz TNT. Okay, you have to spell that yourself, ladies and gentlemen. We spelled <laughs> Chihuahua for you. You can get Don's wisdom over there uh, on Twitter. And that's it. Episode 6 in the books for the Gas Cast on Citizen Sounder.